This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. All right, Amia, welcome to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I am glad to be here. Well, listeners don't know, but we had some technical difficulties last week. So we really, we're going to make this count today. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Make the most of every single second. Well, I guess that you can always expect that when when you're doing a podcast. And uh, so I'm learning the ropes as I I go through the podcast life. So, um, but let's get to it, Amia. I have been watching you sort of from afar online for several years now, but we did meet a few years ago at, what was that retreat called? I forgot. Uh, the Refresh Summit. Yes, the Refresh Summit. And I believe I went to that twice. I think you were there both times. I absolutely was. Okay, it's, good. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we're circling around to kind of the anniversary of where that all began. And we were on the West Coast. And typically this time of years or coming up fall is where we would host the um, Refresh Summit in the South. And um, Bobby who originally kind of founded the Refresh Summit, she said, you know what, let's go back to our roots where we first began. So it's kind of, I love the alignment of the timing of doing this interview and us coming up on the anniversary of the very first Refresh Summit back Mm -hmm. in 2013. And it just kind of feels like life has come full circle. So I might get into that later. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just loved that little retreat because it wasn't a lot of people, but it really, you know, there's not that many of us, I guess, that are that passionate about both faith and fitness, you know, sort of equally. And so it was really fun to be in a group of people that we have that niche love in our life. And um, I didn't get to go the last couple of times, but I really missed it. But I guess having a baby was a pretty good excuse. Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think everybody was like, yes, no, she's not supposed to be here. (laughs) Exactly. Well, um, on that note, you are one of the speakers and you are a very, I think, inspiring speaker that I see putting stuff out there online every day. You do not only speaking at things like that, but you kind of do your own thing um, all the time on social media. Uh, and I think it's got a lot of wisdom. You're posting a lot of scripture and kind of like preaching basically, Mm. um, on, on Facebook and Instagram and all the places. Um, so before we get into all of that though, I would love to hear from you just about you, your story, who you are, your family, and just sum yourself up in an introduction. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like for this to even come full circle this year in particular feels like, um, you know how you see movies where you, they, the current scene will pause and you'll watch the main character do this reflective thing of how did I get here? Mm -hmm. This year feels like, like God's been replaying the reel to show me how I got right here. Um, primarily because my youngest daughter, she's 17. She is in her senior year of high school. And it was right after I had her, and she's the youngest of our three kids, right after I had her was how I fell into fitness. Um, and so our two middle, our middle son and our youngest daughter, they're 17 months apart. 
and there's a seven year gap between the first one and the oh, second wow. one. Right. <laughs> so, That's very different. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it was like just this kind of crazy dynamic of being a mom and now finding myself as a stay at home mom with the birth of our third one, since they were so close in age and, I was out just kind of running errands and a woman met me at a Walgreens and she said, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And I remember looking at my two kids and said this, <laughs> and then the next day and the next day and the next day. And so she invited me to, it was called aerobics back then. She invited me to an aerobics class at a church. And when I got there, I couldn't find her. But when I walked in, the instructor said, you must be a Mia. And I kind of looked like, what? And she welcomed me in, took me to where the child care center was. And there was this older couple that it was just like the <laughs> picture perfect of a Southern other old couple in a church where the grandpa had on overalls and the grandma had on like this moo frock <laughs> of like, let me love your children well. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely take them. Where are you going to take them? I don't care. Like I got an hour free to myself. <laughs> right? I just did that today at the Y. So I get you. Oh my goodness. Yes. And that became so we went downstairs and she introduced me to the other women in the class. And after the class was over, they circled up and she prayed for me by name and prayed for all three of my children, prayed over our day. And like in a moment, I felt like I actually mattered, that it wasn't about the children and not that I didn't like they mattered, but I was in this space of like, nobody even sees me anymore. This is like, my life is just about my children. And in that moment, I found a little glimpse of like, I actually matter and I exist and somebody cares about me in a fitness class. Mm -hmm. And I had known fitness. I had used fitness for whatever reason or another, but I was not active as like a kid or a teenager. In fact, my family laughs to this day and says, you hated PE and you hated going outside. So how is fitness your profession? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so here I found this new perspective in a matter of an hour class. And I mean, we moved to like horribly techno Christian music, which is hilarious now. Um, I but can't imagine was, what that sounds like. I'll look some <laughs> was, up and see so if, if I you, can. Yeah. Like you remember the Saturday night live there was a Saturday Night Live uh, skit where they did the song, um, What is Love? And they like bopped their heads side to side. It was that kind of techno beat, but Christian like hymns. So whoever, <laughs> like, God bless the people that made that music because we've come so far. Yes, <laughs> so, we have. So fast forward about six months worth of going consistently and the instructor approached me and said, I don't know if this is going to be weird to you, but the day you walked in, I felt like God said to start training you up to be my replacement. And she said, and it's weird to me because I don't have any plans of going anywhere. And so she handed me some materials and said, if you're interested, here's the information for the certification, start studying. There's a conference coming in six months and we'll pay for your certification. And that was what, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. And within probably within two weeks of me going to that training, she came to me and said, my husband just is, has just been offered a job in Minnesota. 
and I'm here in Atlanta. And she said, we're leaving in a month. Can you take over? And it was like, what? And I was not, I mean, I had just sat for my first certification. So I really didn't know what I was doing. And I had a boom box and a bunch of mixtapes of this techno Christian <laughs> music. <laughs> was this, and was this certification, what kind of certification was it? It was group fitness. Oh, and so it was just at, plain group fitness yeah, certification. Just okay. standard, yeah. And it was at, I remember it was, uh, at the time it was called Sarah City Workout, which is now SCW Fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do the mania conferences across the globe. And so whenever they come back to Atlanta, I have to go because that's where this all started for me. Um, and so I've been teaching ever since. And God took me through a series of teaching in churches, teaching in big box gyms, in small boutiques, in dance studios, at football fields, you name it. And I was teaching probably a good six or seven years before I realized that it was ministry. Mm. Even though I started in a church, like, I just thought it was just, you know, a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of a workout. And that's just the way you do it. Right. Had no clue that this would be the space that God would use where I found identity and found peace in my body that he would then turn it around and let me use that to bring other women to identity and peace in their body in him, not in a six pack or a certain size on the scale, you know? Yeah. And like I said, this year, I'm like, wow, it's still going. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, now were you a Christian when you started going to these classes? Um, yes and no. So I say that because like I grew up in church, if you want to say that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we went to church as a family and when my parents separated, my dad went to one church and mom went to another church. But but I saw so much like differentiation and hypocrisy and rule keeping and not rule keeping and you name it, where I was by high school, I was confused and frustrated and angry with people that kept trying to tell me that this was the way to go, that I literally said, when I'm old enough, I'm going to figure this thing out and prove everybody wrong. Mm -hmm. And when I got to college, I said... I told my mom, I don't, I don't want any part of this anymore. I don't want to go to church. Don't pray for me. Don't, I'll just keep a Bible and Jesus in my pocket and I'm good. And I walked away. So when we got, when I got married to my husband, who is a pastor's child, <laughs> my, my husband was like, if we're going to do this, we got to do it right. And we, when we got married, we went to the pastor's house. We didn't have a church wedding. We didn't go to the courthouse. We went to the courthouse to get our license and they said, okay, here's a list of people who can marry you. Pick one. And we picked a guy. We went to his house and he married us. And we looked at each other and we were like, now we have to figure out how to do this thing with God. And Mm -hmm. I still was kind of like, I've seen people do it, quote unquote, with God. And it turned out sideways. And I didn't know if I wanted that. But he, my husband kept saying to me, like, no, like, it wasn't God and it wasn't the church. It was the people. And he, and he kept saying, like, if you trust me, like, we're going to figure this out and we're going to find out the truth of who Christ is. And I really want you to, like, let your heart go and let go of the hurt and let go of where people have let you down. 
And I trusted him because he's my husband. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I knew that my father-in-law was a pastor. So I'm like, okay, he's, and I've known my husband since high school. So it was like, he was my best friend. He's not going to steer me down the wrong path. I just said yes and married this guy. Like <laughs> <laughs> better work, you know? Yeah. Um, so when I started at the church to teach classes, like I didn't know how desperate I was to understand more about God. And that's why I say, like, I found myself and I found Christ in a step aerobics class. Well, and that was, I mean, that was pretty far into your marriage in terms of you guys had been married for like eight years at that point, it sounds like. Well, we were, so I had my oldest son when I met, when my husband and I got married. So when we, when I started teaching and my daughter was just born, we had only been married three and a half years, maybe. Okay. So, because my oldest son is my husband's stepchild. So, oh, I gotcha. Okay. But he's raised him since he was four and a half, five. So, okay. But, um, but even in that, it's just kind of life was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need any parts of church. I don't need y'all to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you, <laughs> you know, and yeah. wanted to figure it out on my own. But I lit- I heard someone the other day, I was listening to a Lauren Daigle interview, and she has a song out right now called Rescue. And I think you had posted something oh, about I it. I love that song. Yeah. It's so I'm powerful. You, right? I, like, I was listening to it, and I'm like, man, like, did she read one of my journal entries <laughs> and write the song? Because that was my life. Was like, I had turned everywhere except to God because I was like, nope. I've seen people try that. Mm-hmm. I hadn't tried it. But I saw people try it, and the people that I was watching admittedly, like, I think my eyes might've been blinded by the hurt. So I couldn't really see what God was doing in their life. And I couldn't see God through the pain. Um, so I think when I found, I don't think I know when I found him in that fitness class, it was just, it was a culmination of like, how am I supposed to be a wife? I didn't have that example growing up. How am I supposed to be a mom? My mom did the best that she could with what she had. So I needed some other direction. I didn't know how to be a Christian, quote unquote, because I didn't I didn't have anybody to point to or to pull on to say, like, show me how this is supposed to be done. But it was in that fitness class because they would have the workout and then they would meet different days after we worked out for Bible study. I'd never sat in a Bible study before. And the very first study that I sat in was Breaking Free by Beth Moore. And to this day, people tell me, you were brave because that was a hard study. Yeah, I think I did that in college. <laughs> yeah, like she makes you go deep, like right Beth away. Beth Moore and is, I... <laughs> is deep in general. <laughs> right, right. Nobody warned me. Like nobody said like, hey, maybe you should start small. <laughs> um, but I think it was God's plan for me to just jump right in because I was so far away. So was it, you know, was there a moment or was it sort of, uh, you know, moments in time, like over a period of like weeks, months where you ultimately felt like you began to have a more personal relationship with Jesus? Um, I think it was through that study, the breaking free study that I started to realize that I, it could just be a conversation between me and God of like me getting honest with where I was me getting honest with what I didn't know about who he was, um, that I didn't know the Bible as much as I thought I knew just through like memorizing scriptures in children's church. You know what I mean? Um, 
and it came, like, I think it came to a, there was one chapter in the study where she had you draw a picture of like prison bars and imagine yourself seeing life through those bars. And she said, each of those bars represented some type of a pain or a hurt or a rejection or abandonment in your life. And that was where I started to realize that like, I am not free. And I remember one of the older women in the class said to me, like, if you are ready to like walk past that and break out of that prison, like I'll pray with you and walk you through this. And, and I think honestly, like, I mean, I grew up in church. Like I said, I think that at that moment, that was when I came to know Christ. And it, and it's crazy because like now whenever my daughter has a birthday, it's for me, it's like a rebirthing birthday for me mm-hmm. because of when she was born, that I feel like that's when I was like born again, you know? So what is that, uh, you know, maybe people listening haven't had that experience or it's Mm -hmm. also just kind of interesting to hear what it feels like for people. But can you describe how it felt to go from feeling like you were behind bars to feeling free? Yeah. And so it would require, requires me to fast forward. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it's, it took years of like, again, getting honest of, we used to have a shirt, um, through our fitness ministry that said, those who don't move don't know they have chains. And when you move, you can hear the chains rattle. But if you're sitting still, there's no noise. And I honestly believe that like, the more I moved my body, I started to hear the lies that I had been told. And looking in the mirror of the reflection of the biceps and the ripped arms, I started to see what I was, what I had believed over the years and what I was believing at that point in my life. And when I started to step into some of that freedom, um, it was almost as if, it was almost as if, and I, I pause because some people say, wait, what you heard from God? How do you hear from God? It was this like internal voice that said, is that really who you are? Or is that who you believed you are? But it wasn't a doubt. It was a question of, have you believed a lie your whole life? Like, for example, um, I was doing a study once and they were talking about like, sometimes words can be spoken over us that just over years we adapt to those words, like really hard and hurtful words. And for years I had been called the shy daughter. Well, if you know me, And if you see anything I've ever posted, you will know that I am not the least bit shy, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. And it wasn't until I got into fitness and found out that I could move like this and that I loved to dance and that I loved music and that I was athletic. Because for years, I didn't think I was athletic because I came from an athletic family, but I was terrible at sports. And so I was told like, well, maybe you're not the athlete, Right. So I believed it. Um, And because my mom would always describe me as the shy daughter, I just kind of adopted that and just kind of turtled. And because we lived in chaos of just like alcoholism and just poverty, like I would just tuck and run to just get out of the way and not add to the nonsense. Mm -hmm. Right. And as I started to grow 
um, in Christ and recognize who I really was, one day there was this crazy revelation of there's not a shy bone in your body. You are not shy. You are not quiet. You don't have to stay out of the way. You can take up space. You are free to be everything that you are. And even when you do that, you're not going to take up someone else's space. And I think part of the fear that I had lived in was that if I show up, then I took someone else's place and someone's not going to like me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there was that internal struggle of like, well, no, I'll just let somebody, somebody else can probably do it better than me. Um, And the reason I said I would fast forward is because all of that craziness in my childhood of the alcoholism and the hypocrisy in church. And I, I guess I could sidebar that and say like, my dad was an alcoholic, but he was also um, on one of the boards at their church. And so he would be drunk on the weekend, but then be serving in church on Sunday morning. And in my eight-year-old mind, that's that didn't set right with me. And I knew something was off, but nobody talked about it. So I just kept it to myself and kept quiet about it. But over years, it built up anger and resentment against my dad and against the church. Mm-hmm. And I and later I come to find out as I started to grow and heal my heart from all of that, I come to find out that actually the church had been bailing my dad out of prison to get him healthy. Oh wow. Right. And you were were you not aware that he had been arrested? A, a few times I was. Mm-hmm. But in my what I saw was He was drunk, he got in trouble, but now he's out and the church doesn't care because they're still letting him serve. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know the backside story of that was that they were actually bailing him out to put him through Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. And I, and I, so I have to fast forward that to the year that we met Mm -hmm. at Refresh Summit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My dad was really sick with cancer and as he became more and more sick, he like started pouring out his heart and he was a very quiet, reserved man. And that's his story to tell. So I won't, I mean, he's no longer here, so he can't tell it. But the part that I learned of him was who I knew him to be. The part of me that was the turtle was hidden behind his alcoholism. So the man that I knew was not even who he was. So the man that I hated and I despised. And every time I looked in the mirror, my mom said, you look just like your dad. Like it was the alcohol that had stolen my dad, Mm -hmm. not my dad. And as I started to get healthy in my own heart, it was like those scales were taken off my eyes and I could now see my dad for who he was. And Mm -hmm. I was no longer looking at him through those prison walls. Did Did he become sober at the end of his life? He did. I mean, by the time I got to probably my junior year of college, he was sober and well and trying to mend our family. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I still was kind of like, no, I'm good. Yeah, You can go your own way. You know what I mean? But it wasn't until adulthood and ha- I had my kids and I started my own walk with Christ that Christ was like, you're not free until you settle this matter with your dad. Because otherwise, you're dragging those chains with you. Because he probably has gone on with his life. And in fact, he had, and he was getting healthy. 
and, you know, was completely sober and, but I'm dragging the past with me and it was weighing me down. Right. Yeah. And so how did you do that? It was a whole lot of prayer and Bible studies on forgiveness (laughs) and, and, and literally, and that's why I said, like, when you don't move, you don't know you have the chains. Um, cause I would, I was dragging that with me and it, it required me to get honest with myself that if my dad called me, why did my stomach feel like that? You know, like, and I now know that it was anxiety because like to hear his voice reminded me of the past, Mm -hmm. you know, and those triggers would flare up and my body would respond and my body would almost seize up um, to the point that in 2013, I woke up one day and I couldn't walk. Oh my gosh. And we went through tons and I'm doing this like quick overview of like right. how I a ended lot up of right stuff. now. Right. right. Um, but it, it got to the point where I couldn't move physically and I was and I was borderline crippled. And finally a neurologist said to my husband, like, something happened to her in her past, and her body has kept up with it, and her body has now said, I'm done. I will not keep score anymore. She has to get healthy. And you were, I mean, that's when and your career as a fitness instructor, and then here you can't walk. So what, what do you do at that point? And you wake up in the morning. I mean, did you have to go to the hospital? I did. I, it was a series of doctor's visits, poked and prodded, blood tests. I mean, I was tested for every autoimmune disease you could think of, every rare protein buildup, muscle deterioration, you name it. They ran the tests and I sat in that doctor's office and they said, we've never seen anyone this healthy on paper sitting in front of us this sick. Mm. And they said, we're going to send you to a neurologist. And that's when the neurologist said, the way he described it is he said, it would be like from our brain into the different parts of our body, the different nerve and nerves that control function, if, if that nerve was like a water hose and the brain sends the water to the different parts of our body, somewhere that water hose got a knot in it mm-hmm. and it would cut off the supply or the signal. And he said somewhere there was a signal that was being almost choked in the, wi- in the wiring from my brain to my legs to tell my legs to move. That is just that. I mean, I it's. I mean, it's 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 incredible how the brain works. I mean, just in t- like how it's all intertwined. Like you would never yeah. put those two things together. Uh, but the power of, I guess, memory and and those things that happen to us really do c- come out in physical ways. Yeah. And I'll tell you just in the research that like I do a lot of work with um, senior adults um, that specifically um, with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's where there are neuromuscular disorders that have stolen their ability to move the way we're designed to move. And just in studying that and studying just the way the brain functions and looking back at what happened to me. Like it makes sense now that what I was dealing with was PTSD from mm-hmm. trauma as a child that 
like I kept going and just kept going and kept going and trained well and ate well and could tell you where every macro came from and where it went, <laughs> you know, but none of that was getting me whole. Mm-hmm. It was getting me to a point where I looked really healthy because I was fit. I was ripped. I was telling my class this morning, like I'm in a space right now where I look at my reflection in the mirror and God says to me, what if the body that you see now is the results of you doing something really right? I know that's not grammatically correct, but like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you're on a right path versus if I looked in the mirror and I said, why do my thighs look different than they used to look? I don't know if I like them. You know, they're a little bit thicker. And I felt like God said, well, when they were not that size, you were on someone else's plan. You weren't following Mm -hmm. my plan. Mm -hmm. So what if what you're seeing is the result of healthiness? What Mm -hmm. if what you're seeing, like your legs right now are the size of health? And it's a reality check for me of where health isn't a certain size. Yeah. Like my body has to be a reflection of what's going on in my heart. And it has to be healthy and it has to be whole. And I have to be able to say that I know who I am and I'm not trying to live up to someone else's standards, that I'm not carrying the weight of my past, you know, speaking of carrying weight or not carrying weight, that it's, that I am a reflection of a decision that happened in my heart to live my best life according to God, not according to some other standard or proving to anybody that I can or can't, you know? Yeah. And you, and I mean, it was like, you we're doing all those healthy things. I mean, just going back to the, the, uh, your legs not working, but it was like, because you weren't dealing with the heart issue, like your God and your body were not letting, gonna let you move forward because your heart yeah. wasn't healthy. It was completely out of balance. Mm-hmm. It was comp- And, and I know that God loves us enough that he says, I'm not going to compete with, like, if your hands are full of all the other things, and God's not in those things. He's not going to, he loves us enough that he won't compete with those things. He will wait until we open our hands and let some of that fall out. And then he can replace it with what he has for us. And it took me letting go of, no, I got it. I know how to do this. And then when I was able to let go, which meant letting go of the fear of my past, letting go of the hurt from my dad, um, even right before he died, um, I was sitting in the, and this was when I was still sick and couldn't walk. And I was sitting in the middle of a Bible study on the story of the woman at the well and in the Bible story. And it's, it's in the gospels. I never remember where it is. I'm not a Bible scholar, <laughs> but Me I think neither. it's in Luke. I know it's in somewhere in Luke, but she goes to get a drink from this well And she meets a man at the well and asks him for a drink. And then the long story short, he says, well, you're actually not here for that water. You're here for something else. And they have this conversation where he says, you know, well, where's your husband? And she says, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you're right. You actually have five of them and none of them are yours. And she looked at him kind of and I'm paraphrasing. 
So for the Bible scholar that says, wait, she said that all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) This is my translation of understanding how that conversation happened, because I trust that we've all had this kind of conversation with God. Yeah. Right. Right. Like what you're coming to me telling me is not the whole truth. But then Jesus and the man that she met was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, listen, I know your past, but I also know your future. And if you knew who I was, you would actually be asking me for a drink, not of the water that's just going to quench your thirst, but that would cause you to never be thirsty again. And so he gave her this water while it was the tangible water. She knew at that moment, like, oh, my goodness, I actually did just meet him. And so the story goes that she ran off and she told people, I met a man who knew my whole past and yet he still loved me. And he gave me something that's going to carry me out through the rest of my life. And I'm not going to be so thirsty to go trying to quench it from other people. And I felt like at that point where I was really, really sick and in pain And my dad was really, really sick and in pain that I couldn't run the risk of losing my dad without letting him know that I actually did really love him, but I was still hurt from my childhood. And I desperately needed to know that he loved me. And we sat on the phone and we talked for three hours and my dad was not a talker. Wow. We talked for three hours and he apologized for everything that ever happened in our childhood. Everything. And I kid you not, as God is my witness, within a couple of weeks, my strength started to come back. Wow. That's amazing. And and within weeks of that, my dad died. And And it was the craziest thing. I mean, imagine had you not made that phone call. Right. And I don't say it to pat myself on the back because I was nervous. My hands were shaking. I was ready to throw up. I didn't want to have the phone call. And I've had to tell that story to my brothers and sisters who still carry some of that pain from our past to let them know, like, you're not exactly free to go on with life unless you let him go. And it's not a get over it. It's like get healthy through it. Recognize the pain and feel it, but don't do it. Because if you're doing the pain, it's going to come out in some other shape or form of either striving to prove that you're good enough or it becomes out, you know, comes out in anger and rejecting other people because you've been rejected. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, you, P, you hear this said, but if you don't deal with something that needs healing, it just gets infected and it just, oh, it, it can, it can, you know, come out in so many ways. And, um, you know, I always use my husband's story as an example, but there were so many ways of his past, um, you know, the, his life that I wrote about in my book, but there were so many, um, things that when he wasn't healed, that I could see that infecting throughout his life. And now seeing him as a healed person, um, it's incredible how so many of those things just are no longer an issue for him. And it sounds like you had kind of a similar experience. I know the healing happened because, like there's a scripture, again, I don't know the address of the scripture, but it says with the same help that God gives us, he empowers us to then go and help others. And I was t- just telling my daughter the other day of like, you know, sometimes we say like, oh, you know what they should do? And like, we don't realize that we are the they. Yeah. And I f- <laughs> like, like, I feel like whenever those words kind of stir up in our heart or our mind, 
it's because God has wired us to be able to be part of the solution because we've experienced that before. And so now we know how to help that person because we've been in that spot. You know, it may not be identical, but enough to have compassion, enough to give them grace because we realize that we received the grace. And I can spot it from a mile away of someone that's like striving to be seen or to be heard or to be loved because that was me. So how did this um, experience, I mean, this was 2013, so it wasn't that long ago, and you were already in ministry and in fitness ministry. So how did that transform your ministry moving forward? Uh, Well, I had to relearn how to move my body because I lost a lot of strength. Um, There was a little bit of fear when I got back into teaching classes because I sat out for almost a year. Um, So I was a little bit afraid of like, can I even still move like that? Do I want to move like that? And during that healing process, the only type of classes that I could take were uh, more restorative classes like Pilates and yoga and bar. And I started to learn that my body could move in a way that it had never moved before. Because I was the hardcore boot camp, crazy cardio, kickboxing, <laughs> like fall out in your own puddle of sweat type of trainer, right? Right. But I didn't, I didn't know how to move in this graceful, slow, very, um, I don't know, like where it required your brain to be completely involved in the workout. Yeah, you know? that's, I'm sure that was beneficial to you personally and as a fitness instructor, just incorporating it into to the way that you teach later. Absolutely. Because even today I taught a class that was completely about breath work and mobility and learning how to let your muscles do what they're designed to do and not stopping them. And after the class, somebody said, how did you learn that? And I said, life experience, you know, (laughs) but if you don't have time, that's the short version. But it shifted the way I taught my classes. It it shifted the way I trained individuals. Um, If someone came to me with a laundry list of reasons why they couldn't, I was able to give them more grace to find out what was the backstory. Was it that they really genuinely physically couldn't? Or was it that they were hindering themselves because they were afraid of doing it? Mm-hmm. And and it shifted my training philosophy. Um, it introduced me to Revelation Wellness because prior to that, I didn't even know Revelation Wellness. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. I, for some reason, I, I had been thinking you were with them longer. No. So tell me, how did you then discover them? And then tell us about Revolution Wellness. Yeah. So it was in the middle of the healing process that I couldn't move. And so I needed to find something to just encourage me to like lift my spirit. And I stumbled on, um, it was just a mat based workout that was like Pilates and yoga combined on YouTube. And when the video started, she prayed and, um, read a scripture and then all the music was Christian music. I mean, and at this point I'm already like walking in a Christian walk. So I knew that I, I needed that part of it, but I didn't know how much I could physically do. And in the video it was chair based. So I did this video like as much as I could for about two and a half months. And then I started looking into the program to see if I could certify in it. But I knew that that I didn't want to be that teacher. I didn't want to teach that kind of class. I wanted to get back to the boot camps and the 
kickboxing. And then a friend of mine who had been praying for my healing in that process, she said, did you know that they offer training in like the kind of classes you were teaching before and it's all faith-based? And I was like, yeah, but no, I'm already doing that. (laughs) And she's like, no, you're not. Have you looked at yourself lately? Like you've been sitting for like, you've been getting healthy for the last six months. What if this is part of your healing? And I, like I sat on Revelation Wellness for a while and my pride would not let me say yes. My pride would not let me say yes. Because you thought, oh, I don't need to learn anything. I've been doing this forever. Right. I'm like, no, I was already doing that before y'all. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) So it was a lot of pride. So again, that was, there was the healing again that needed to take place to say like, actually there's room for you at the table. And if you take your seat, you're not going to take someone else's and they might need you. And what if they need everything that you had to have to offer? And what if they have something for you that you never knew existed? And, and I went, so I went through training in April of 2016 and, um, I ended up on staff or not ended up, but God blessed me to be on staff. (laughs) Um, I think it was the following spring, um, an opportunity opened up for me to go back and serve at the retreat. And I remember that first time going back to serve, I fell to my knees and sobbed and wondered, like, what did I do to deserve this second chance? And it was this reality check of, like, that season of, like, sitting still was just God loving me and almost putting me back into a cocoon to say like, somebody broke your cocoon open and your wings were not ready to fly yet. Mm. So let me just get you whole. Let me get you well. Let me show you what this actually is supposed to look like. And at that 2013 was a transformation process for me. And it was a complete metamorphosis of myself and the way that I train people. Tell me about revolution. It's revelation wellness. Correct. I've been saying revolution for some reason. Okay, so revelation wellness. I know. I, I know the, the company well and I see it. Um, but tell me about it and, and what kind of the vision is and how it works and how the ministry works. Yeah, sure. So it's um, obviously it's faith, faith-based fitness and nutrition coaching. Um, but our focus is to bring fitness to people in a way that they – they can kind of drop the idea of there's a one size fits all plan that they get to come and say, here I am. Here's what I do know how to do or what I don't know how to do. Can you help me to move my body in a way that doesn't feel like punishment? Can you help me to move my body in a way that maybe it's new to me so that I can learn something else about who I am? And for, I'll say that, like for some people, they come, even though we're faith-based, some people come to us just for the fitness, but then they realize that something's different. That wasn't just a kickboxing class. Like something happened. And what, like one lady said to me, I don't know what that was, but keep doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's faith-based fitness and we get to use fitness to introduce people to Christ across the globe. There are literally instructors around the world, Australia, India, South Africa. Um, We just had an instructor. She just left for Croatia um, all across the United States. 
um, New Zealand. And are these all in churches or are you also affiliated with like YMCA's and things like that? Yeah. So some of them are in churches, some are in YMCA, some are in fitness centers, some, you know, do boot camps or classes at their home. Some work in schools. Um, you name, there's a couple of girls who teach classes in women's prison facilities. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. There's a gentleman who just went through training who is, he's a counselor at like a sort of like a boys and girls club. And he's using kickboxing for um, discipline for the boys that come to the facility. Um, so it, they're, we're kind of spread out into different um, venues, if you will, um, to teach fitness. And then if the opportunity arises, they get to present the gospel to people either through their music or through the messaging. Like my, like my class this morning, I opened the class with a devotional and closed the class with a prayer. Um, that doesn't always happen. I've taught in facilities where I'm not allowed to do that. And they know that what I teach is faith-based, but they just say, well, we welcome all faith. So can you make the class presentable um, to every faith and include everyone? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I present the gospel in my life and as showing up as a light, making the playlist one that like draws them into a place of hope and freedom and the music gives them like a sense of, I don't want to say like lightness, but it like, it, it lets you feel like something fell off of you because all the music is positive and it's not all Christian, you know? Yeah. And I, I would imagine that that has sometimes led to some deep conversations or even like stronger relationships through people that come to the class? Have you seen those kinds of things happen? Absolutely. I used to teach in a big box gym and I was teaching a dance space cardio class and a girl came up to me and she was completely dressed in Muslim attire. And she came up to me and she said, I don't know what that was, but I could feel like something happened as if I had been in a prayer. And she looked at me and she said, clearly I'm different than you, but I'm going to keep coming to your class because I feel like I got more than a workout. And I kind of didn't know how to respond to her, but I was like, okay. You're like, all right, <laughs> you know? keep coming back. That's what we want. Right? Because I couldn't say bless you because I was like, maybe I'll offend her if I say bless you. But it was like, okay, God. Yeah. And, and so even, you know, you're doing the teaching, but in addition to that, like I talked about in the beginning of the conversation, I see you as also sort of an online spiritual leader and online mentor in not just fitness spaces, but you talk a lot about different parts of life and different aspects of, um, of, of things that women specifically probably deal with. So how did you decide that you wanted to have a larger platform than just being the teacher, but you wanted to take that to more people online? Um, I think it was realizing that I'm one person. I'm just a Mia. I'm not like fitness Amia, mom Amia, wife Amia, church Amia, PTA Amia. I'm Amia. And while I wear those different hats and, you know, serve and, and show up in those different areas, it's just my body and my mind and my spirit and one God who shows up in me wherever I go. And so if I kept compartmentalizing life, it would just cause chaos. And I like the scriptures say that he is not an author of confusion that everything he has written out for our lives, he starts it and he finishes. I was just, my devotional this morning was 
in Philippians 1, 9 that says, I am confident that God, the God who started this thing and you will finish it. And I knew that if I needed that, if I needed the assurance that I don't have to be scattered, that I don't have to separate my life, that it is who I am, that if I'm fit in the gym, it helps me to be fit at home. If I'm fit, and it's interesting because I've been studying the word fit, our fitness, and the suffix N-E-S-S, and I, it's for a whole nother day because it's a lot, but it just knowing that if I'm going to be fit, I have to be fit for something. And if it's just fit to be fit in the gym, then what is that for? It has to help me to be a better mom. It has to help me to be a better wife. If I'm going to church, what is that for? If I get home and I'm crabby Mm -hmm. and I'm a different woman. So like knowing that all of those different areas where I am, I, I had to be connected to other women in those other areas. And I'm sure that they had the same questions. Like a lot of times I'll post and I say, I know I'm not the only one that needed this. I know I'm not the only one that needed to know that God has something to say about me raising a 17-year-old daughter, but at the same time, sending a child off to college and having an adult child and having a husband. And, you know, and so I, like, I started to realize as much as social media gets a bad rap, like I had an opportunity to have a voice and not sound like anybody else. And I'm sure I've lost some people because I maybe say too much about Jesus and I'm okay with that right now, you know? And there are people that have like unfollowed me because I post too much about fitness. Okay, maybe that's not what you needed. Those aren't the right people. Those aren't the people <laughs> right. the message was for. Uh, yeah, I'm like, and you, you have know to trust, it's okay. Yeah. You do have to trust that sometimes because I, I too, you know, you know, I write about a variety of things and sometimes I get, a little self-conscious about that, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to follow what God has for me right now and the messages that he wants me to put out there. And I have to just trust that he knows what he's doing. I'm, you know, he put these thoughts in my heart. And so, um, I'm going to follow that. I'm just believing that he has a larger plan than I can recognize right now. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, and there are days, don't get me wrong. There are days that I, will sit in front of the screen with a post ready for me to just click submit or click post. And I'll just kind of muddle over, wait a minute, is this the right audience? Is this who I'm supposed to be talking to? Like, I mean, cause I don't care who you are. If you say, I don't follow the numbers, I could care less, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody kind of cares if you're putting Everybody it out there. kind of sort of looks You want people to post. read it and or watch it. Right? Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, you look at the post, you're like, 12 people. Like, come on, people, read it. You or know? like, uh, should I just take this down? Maybe nobody will notice right. I even put it up. <laughs> but I promise you, Erica, I was at a girlfriend's house on Friday night and she was like, yes, I read everything you post. I don't like any of it or comment on any of it because I know you're going to make me have a conversation oh, with you. Oh, that's so funny. And I laughed and she was like, but you speak to me everything that you say and... Sometimes so she said, sometimes it's so raw. It feels as though I was like either in her house or on her own journaling pages. And for her, she felt like for her to like the post, it might like shine a light on the fact that she needed that help. Mm. 
or just draw attention to someone, you know? right? Like because you know, some of you know, maybe someone doesn't want to be identified as someone that's connected with faith right now, or whatever right. the, the subject matter may be. Uh, but that's that is an interesting thing to note because there are a lot of lurkers online that never do anything, but they do they do watch, they do click, they do read, and and we never know who those people are unless they tell us at a you know at someone's house. So yeah. that that's well, actually even, important to remember. I, I think you just hit a nail even when you just said like there are some people that may not want to be identified with faith just yet. Like I look back to where I started in fitness. And I wasn't quite sure that I wanted that. And and that's the beauty of being able to teach like through the Revelation Wellness classes is that there are people that might come to our classes but won't go to church. And what if this is this is church for them? And I the way I feel about it is that if they've offered themselves for that hour, their life is in my hands, I better take care of it. Well, I want to ask you a couple more questions. Now you've been married for a long time. Mm -hmm. And some of us, like myself, haven't been married that long. But I I always love to hear what married people that have been doing it for a while, uh, what you might have to say about some lessons you've learned along the way. Don't assume that you already know your spouse. Because just as much as most of us want to grow and be better and become better and become healthier, like they probably do as well. So if you pigeonhole them into who they were when you met them, even if you were like, they're perfect, nothing should change. They're going to change. And as they grow, you grow with them and you get to learn this new person. Like my husband and I, we've been married coming up on 19 years in October. And I knew him when I was 15. He's not the man that I met at 15. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. like... Now that we're in this different stage of life, he's not even the father he was when we first started having kids. He's a new father. I'm a new mom. And I'm learning. We sat last night and watched, we binged watch Netflix and laughed our heads off. And like, I went to bed like, God, that was really cool. Can I do that again with my husband? (laughs) You know, like. What'd you watch? It's a show that's like not the best. Well, it's not bad. It's called The Imposters. It's like a crazy, wild, make you want to really watch people like with a side eye of like, oh, okay. are you really who I'm, you say you are? I'm going to check this out because <laughs> I don't have a lot of channels, but I do have Netflix. It's it's like binge worthy. Okay. It? <laughs> and we kind of stumbled on it. We were not even planning to watch it, but now my husband's like, okay, one more episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. And that, to that end, it's like, now nah, I'm learning Like, because we have this new space of life and this newfound freedom of having older children, we're relearning each other. And it's really fun to learn, like, he's just, like, he's a deep thinker. And, like, I'm learning things about him that I think I didn't get a chance to see because my head was in diapers and goldfish crackers. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. So many goldfish crackers. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm there right now. (laughs) Yep. Um, And and, and, and on that note, parenting, what have you learned about being a parent that you could tell us, those of us with little kids? This was even just a message my pastor gave us yesterday that I let out a huge exhale that I think I've been holding for the past, I don't know how long, but he said... um, he spoke to the teenagers and he said, listen, teenagers, your parents aren't perfect. 
and God never expected them to be perfect. And they were once a teenager who thought their parents were wrong. And now they are parents. And he said to us, parents, your teenagers are who you were at their age, at that age. And it was this reality check of like, okay, my parents didn't know what they were doing, but they did the best that they could with what they had. And I turned out okay. And if I am striving to be a better parent than even my parents were, my kids are going to be okay. Yeah. And I get to parents out of a space of love versus a space of fear. And it was like a huge, like, can I just pass out and like <laughs> lay here for a while? Because like, that's enough to keep me going. Yeah. I always hear people say, if you're worried about being a good parent or a bad parent, then the, that then the problem is solved. Because if you're worried yeah. about it, then you are doing a good job. Most likely. Yeah. You wouldn't be worried about it if you didn't care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it even, like, I woke up this morning, like, okay. Like, it was really cool. Like, before we went to bed, after we binged watch Netflix, I came upstairs into the kitchen and my daughter had done all the dishes, even cleaned the pots and pans and like wiped down the countertop. And I was like, God, you're so good. You're so good that my child did this. And I didn't, and I know she had homework, but she paused long enough to do that. And I was headed upstairs and she's in the shower, like singing her head off. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, Lord, (laughs) you know, it's going to be all right. (laughs) Well, let me ask you just a couple end of the podcast questions. Are you a reader? Do you read books? I am. I love books. I probably have like five on my nightstand that I bounce back and forth between. Uh, I'm ex- I, exactly the same way. I'm literally in the middle of five right now. I was trying yeah. to finish. I was like, I have a little bit left of two of them. And I was like, if I could just finish these two today, then I'll feel very accomplished. Right. right. Um, but, but tell us about some that you've enjoyed lately. Um, it's a devotion or 30 day devotional called heir to the crown. Um, and it is all about our identity as daughters of the King and just how we are allowed to keep our crown, even if it starts to tilt because our heads went sideways or somebody tried to knock it off. And if we happen to notice our sister's crown crooked, we get to fix it without telling the world that it was crooked. And it's a devotional that was written by Elisa Keaton, uh, the founder of Revelation Wellness. And so I'm taking a group of women through it, but even as I'm facilitating, I'm learning new levels of freedom and identity in myself. So so I'm in the middle of reading that, but at the same time, trying to finish uh, The Road Back to You, which is an Enneagram read, and trying to kind of parallel the understanding of identity and purpose and all that. What's your number? I am a diehard two. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I can't remember right now what twos are because I'm a four and my husband's a six. So I'm always just trying to remember what those two are. Yeah. So the two is like the helper supporter. And the funny thing is when I said I'm a diehard two, I took a deep breath and then said that because for a long time I was like, I don't want to be a two. <laughs> I wanted to be a seven. Like I wanted to be the person that throws a party. Yeah. So, but I'm a two. They like, all die have hard. wonderful qualities. So you can't lose yes. no matter yes. what number you are. Um, what celebrity would you want to have dinner and drinks with and why? Oh, without a doubt, if she was still living, it would be Maya Angelou. Oh, Just yeah. because, I mean, and I wouldn't even talk. I would just sit there. <laughs> just pour your wisdom on me. Yeah, like breathe and let me catch some of that. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's um, amazing. Yeah, because she just, to just have just an ounce of the wisdom and the identity that she grabbed a hold of and just 
her her character. You know what I mean? Yeah, I reread you know her memoir last year, why why the caged bird sings, and um, it's so good. Yeah, that was I was gonna say, and I didn't want to jump into too much conversation on it because that was the book that drew me into just who she is and her wisdom. And the funny thing is my dad gave me a copy of that when I was in high school. But because my heart was so bruised, I threw it into like, you know, those little treasure trunk uh, trunks mm-hmm. that you keep stuff in. I threw it in the bottom of there and was like, I'm not reading that. Why'd he give me that? Mm-hmm. And years later came back around to finally read it in this space of freedom. And then the bars began to make sense. Um, what is something that you'd like to do in the future? Something fun I would like to do is take tap dancing. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. <laughs> yeah, I have always wanted to. We could never afford it as kids. And I just found out today one of the ladies in my class takes a, an adult beginner tap, which is like walking distance from my house. So I am going to call them and find out if it's too late for me to join. That's so, awesome. Yeah, like that's the fun thing that I want to do. But then like the big, like, what's your one big thing life goal thing? I want to write a book. Oh, yeah. You know, and, I ta- we talked about this at, our, at the retreat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Way back and I when. Have, yeah, I have a few that I've started. Um, and I don't know if they are each individually their own or if they just need to be morphed together and just be one really deep book. But someone at church really blessed me yesterday and we were just kind of having a conversation and he said, well, I'll tell you what, every time I talk to you, I hear just another nugget of wisdom and you have enough to start the book. And he didn't even know 100%. I was writing it. I mean, yes, I can tell you that from talking to you as well. So there's your second, <laughs> there's your second little bit of confidence. Um, and, and I have learned a lot about, um, just the multiple ways in which you can publish these days. So if you're looking for any tips, let me know. Well, Amia, thank you so much for spending the hour with me and just kind of telling us all of these, these gems about your life and about life in general. I think people can take so much from what you said today. Thank you. It's been an honor and it, I mean, to even see that this is where God has directed you is really cool because I remember meeting you at the Refresh Summit and you were sitting at one of the tables on your computer and you're like, I just have to finish this assignment and then I'll come talk to everybody. (laughs) That's yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) But, But then when you published your book, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like I know her. You know what I mean? Yeah, who knows what I was working on then. I was probably doing, I'm, I was always hustling, trying to get work done uh, for my job. But um, but right now it's a little bit more freeing in that the stay, uh, stay-at-home mom thing, but it's also not as freeing in different ways. So you yeah, know how that is. No, I was going to say, I get it. I totally get it. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.